and welcome to episode 50 of Owen the Saints, your podcast dedicated to everything Southampton FC. It's me, your host, Patrick Surlis, and with me this afternoon, I have Jack Surlis and Jack Mainstone. Jack Surlis, first of all, how are you doing? Would have liked to have done episode 50 on a bit more positive note, but I'm, I'm all good here. How's things with you? Yeah, not bad, thank you. And Mainstone, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, mate. As good as can be. <laughs> we would have liked to have been discussing a slightly more positive result on our half century of podcast episodes. Unfortunately, that is not the case. Desperate times for us at the moment. 3-2 defeat to Newcastle on Saturday means it's five Premier League defeats in a row. The first time that's happened since 1998. Lots to discuss. Shambolic defending, some shambolic individual mistakes, Ralph's subs or lack of them, key players out of form. It's not fun times generally, really. One win in 10 Premier League games. Wolves in the FA Cup fifth round up next as well. The first of back-to-back games against Nuno's team. We will come to that, but first, Saturday. I was cautiously optimistic going into the match. Well, as cautiously optimistic as you can be coming off a 9-0 defeat. (laughs) That optimism was popped pretty early on, though, with Newcastle taking a two-goal lead. Joe Willock opening the scoring after a couple of mistakes. The first from Jack Stevens, the second from Jan Bednarak. Jack, let's start on that defending in the first half. There are just some quotes that have just dropped from Ralph saying that when you concede to every shot, basically, you're going to be in trouble. And, and that's, that's effectively what happened. We made individual mistakes. Newcastle scored three goals. That's the first time they've scored three first-half goals in five years. They are crap, <laughs> but we gifted them three goals um, in that first 45 minutes. Coming off the back of a game where we conceded nine, the minimum we wanted really was a better defensive performance. It couldn't have really started worse, could it? No, it couldn't. And I think in, in previous games, um, you know, there's been a lack of personnel on the pitch and there's been a lack of, um, well, dodgy VAR decisions that have cost us games. But I don't think we, we don't have any of those excuses today because we had players coming back. I thought Vestergaard coming back would have been a big boost, but we seem to be very, very shaky at the back still. I put that mostly down to not having Carl Walker-Peters. I think this him being at the team has shown how crucial he is to Southampton, both defensively and offensively and in general, total team play. But like you said, that, that first half was shambolic. It seemed to be every time Newcastle were going forward, they were cutting us open and they, they don't do that to any team. So it really was a shocking display um, all round at the start. And yeah, exa- I just think... We wanted half-time to come, really, because it could have got a little bit ugly in that first half. Definitely. Um, I have my own opinions on Jack Stevens, and they basically are that he's shite. Um, That defending for the first goal, he's out of position, I know. Um, We've obviously let Jan Valery go on loan to Birmingham City. We had Kane Ramsey against Man United. That was difficult for him. Um, But to start with... Alan Maximan is their most dangerous player. And Jack Stevens just fell asleep from a Southampton throw-in. We lost possession and he's drifting up the pitch. God knows where he is going. And then the ball gets played forward into his position. Bednarak steps out, misses the ball. And so Maximan is in and it's 1-0. Um, just the worst, worst possible start. Mainstone, why do you think we seem to have gone back to the defending of old, where last season when we were struggling um, early on in the season... These are the sorts of things that these are the sorts of mistakes that we were making, and we improved. It looked like we were back on track. We had a number of clean sheets in a row, even without Vestergaard. And now, all of a sudden, it seems like we've we've gone back 12, 18 months, and it's the Southampton defending of old. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, like you say, you're worried every time they make an attack at the moment. And um, <clears throat> and that is what it was like last season. I don't know whether the 9-0 has really had an impact this time. Um, because I, I think personally, there was a big difference between the two 9-0s in my point. I saw Ralph's comments about saying that we were a shit team, as he called us, um, when we lost to Leicester 9-0. Um, but yeah, Um but for me now, after that's happened, we were starting and we were on the road to actually being a really competitive and really good Premier League side. Um, so I think playing at that level and then to be done 9-0, I think it's probably taken a massive toll on them. Um, and talking about Jack Stevens, I I just don't really understand why we've decided to let Valerie out on loan. Granted, he's he's not the right back that we all want him to be and he's probably not good enough cover for Carl Walker-Peters long term. Um, and he probably does need to go out on loan. But if there's no cover, if there's no natural cover there, why are we why are we letting him out? It just doesn't make sense to me. Well, it was it was Jan Valerie that got done. I think it was the game just before the, yeah. before lockdown, wasn't mm. it? When they beat us one 0 San Maximan. So he's obviously he seems to turn up every time he plays against Southampton, and he'll roast any right back that's going. But I think every Saints fan would have preferred an actual conventional right back in there today whether it was Valerie whether it was Kane Ramsey I think Jack Stevens at right back is it's just you know puts us on the back foot completely yeah um it you mentioned it a couple of minutes ago but it really does feel like it's been um of, of all the defeats it feels like it's been a bit of a week from hell for us from the Villa game which was VAR induced really I think our frustration to the Man United game which was partly just partly Mike Dean partly just us being again shambolic at the back but then today we have no excuses like you said Mm. Um, we'll come on to the attacking towards the end they obviously going down to 10 men and then ending the match with nine men and, and we'll come on to our complete lack of ideas I think we ran out of ideas towards the end but just to stick on the defending to start with the second goal came about, I mean, really for some, from some more poor, poor defending. Like Newcastle, they're really, their only threat seemed to be coming on the counter-attack and they just cut open, cut us open so easily. And if Southampton have been having a bit of a week from hell, Jan Bednarak certainly has been having a week from hell. And that deflected own goal um, kind of summed it up, didn't it really, Jack? It did, yeah. I think he got minus seven points on fantasy football of any players <laughs> out there listening, which was... <laughs> A bit of a record, but um, yeah, it was just, like you said, summed up his week. Um, I don't think it actually went down as an own goal in the end, but okay. yeah, it just, it was, it was really poor defending again, down that, down that left-hand side and, you know, just got, well, I'm sure we'll talk about the Minamino goal, but just on the defending in general, from bad to worse with their third goal, wasn't it? And I'm just interested to get your guys' opinion actually on Alex McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not one to for you know to call for rotation off the back of a few bad games because I think you need consistency between the sticks but when Fraser Forster has been called upon he's been decent this season although he hasn't been tested too much I'm sure he's going to play against Wolves on Thursday mm-hmm. do you think a good performance at Molyneux could potentially see him keep the number one spot for the game at St Mary's against Wolves? Mason I'll let you go first um, I think I think it might be a bit too early for that. I think in terms of the goals over the last two games, the amount there has been, not many I could really say were completely down to him or you mm-hmm. kind of left thinking, oh, he should have really got that. I agree the third goal today he should have got. 
he he was so far out of position um, when he actually like his backtracking run. Mm. just went into the other side of the goal and there was a massive gap for Almiron. It was a weak, like it was a pathetic shot, really. I thought it was going wide near initially. Post, then yeah. it's gone, just rolled into the near post, for instance. So his, um, his positioning for that was a bit questionable and obviously the pass um, that went to Bertrand. I'm not 100% sure whose fault that one was because um, the pass obviously wasn't really on. Um, but I thought Bertram was a little bit weak in the tackle or trying to get to the ball. Um, I don't know what you guys' thoughts were on that. It was a bit obvious what, what he was doing, wasn't it? It was the ball was going up to the left-hand side and if you're a Newcastle player closing him down, you're just going to close off that channel. It was, a, it was a difficult ball to put him in that situation, but you'd hope he'd have a bit more awareness to see the Newcastle player coming and maybe cut back inside. But I think the main fault does go to Alex McCarthy for the poor yeah. pass. I, th- I think so. I mean, if I was going to attribute blame, I'd, I'd probably go 75% McCarthy, 25% Bertrand. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's like, this is the way that Ralph wants to play. And when it works, it works. But it's like, it's the last 30 seconds of the half in a torrential downpour. And we've got Alex McCarthy 35 yards from goal, like popping the passes around. <laughs> And it's like, I mean, I know this is the way that we want to play, but it doesn't make it any less frustrating when it goes against us. Um, especially when we all know that Alex McCarthy really is a bit of a square peg in a round hole when it comes to this system. Mm-hmm. Fantastic shot stopper, but he's not great with the ball at his feet. So it, it really, really felt like we were shooting ourselves in the foot there. I just wanted to ask you, Jack, actually, because a thought that I had after the United game is just on our defence and, and maybe on Ralph's system more generally, do you think there's a weakness in there, um, like an inherent weakness? Because when we defend badly, we defend really, really badly. It's mm. either we keep clean sheets or we concede loads of goals. Now, I'm also thinking back to the Leicester game last season, the Man United game this season, the Spurs game when we conceded four goals in about 20 minutes, mm-hmm. the Chelsea game where our defending was all over the shot, the Villa game when we were 4-0 up and we conceded three goals. Um, and then again today, we're conceding three first half goals to Newcastle. It's like when our defending goes wrong, we seem to just absolutely collapse. Um, interested to get your thoughts on it. I have my own thoughts on it, but but, but what do you make of that? Yeah, it's an interesting one. We do collapse a lot of the time defensively and, you know, we do have a very unique system. And when, when you hear interviews with players like Walker Peters and Vestergaard, they do talk about how long it takes for them to adapt to that system. And it's all about trust and, and things like that. And probably very different to any other teams they've played for before. Um, and it's maybe similar to, you know, Leeds United, where they get called out a little bit because they have a way of playing that when it works, it works very well. But when it doesn't, they do look very exposed. And I, I think it's a case of, we're on the right track. We're progressing as a team. We are progressing as a team, but we're going to take these setbacks because we don't have the personnel in there. And I think it will take a bit of time. And that's why it's not good when I see these knee-jerk reaction from fans calling for you know, the manager and calling for wholesale changes because you're going to have these setbacks. We're trying to build something at Southampton. We've got a top-class manager that has had success with this system with previous teams. But unfortunately... There's only so much you can success you can have with with Jack Stevens at fullback. So games games like today, you're gonna get you're gonna get caught out. But it is a worry. I admit it is a worry. I think for for me, it's like it seems like we we have a squad of players that have like extremely fragile confidence, and 
the mentality of a team is something that I'd question because no team can see no no team throws away points from winning positions more than us. No team collapses. No team collapses yeah. like we collapse. And to me, I think it's sorry, but I think it's a um, with the the technical system that Ralph kind of plays. I think so much of it does rely on confidence at the time of how you're playing. I think the moment that the, the defense and the system becomes a little bit shaky, it's just like they just implode. And I think it's the confidence to do what they need to be do or to be t- the they're, they're telling being told to be to do by Ralph. <laughs> yeah. um, <clears throat> If they can't do that or they're not feeling 100% confident in the way they're playing as an individual, then I just think it's so risky. Um, yeah, not saying it's wrong. I think it's right. but I think that's a good point, isn't it? Because it, it was all about confidence, the way we play. And I suppose players that have played at previous clubs maybe go a goal down or go two goals down and you kind of adapt to maybe you change the way of playing and you take less risks and you maybe hook the ball in behind more. But if you've got a manager that's telling you to keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it... Mm-hmm you're going to concede goals. So I think that's a good point, Mainstone. When when confidence is shot to bits, it only kind of, you know, exacerbates the situation and makes it worse. Yeah. We had Dan Sheldon on a couple of episodes ago and we spoke to him about the article that he wrote with Yannick Vestergaard. And he talked about how, like, for, for Vestergaard, it does, as a defender, takes a bit of time getting used to the system because it's, it's like, kind of counterintuitive as a defender. Like, as a defender, you're told to stick with your man. And, like, when the back's when your back's against the wall, like it was for Newcastle in the second half, Steve Bruce is kind of like an old school manager where it's just like, get everybody behind the ball and just throw bodies at things. And that's kind of what you need to do in those. Well, that's, that's one way of of dealing with these kind of situations where we saw what we tried to do at Old Trafford, which is just stick to Ralph's way of playing. But when your confidence starts to disappear, I think you revert to what like you've always been taught as a defender, which is kind of stick with your man, um, be solid where where Ralph is telling players that the system will take care of it and you need to rush out you need to make the challenge you need to press you need to win the ball back quickly and I go go back to it again but that screenshot that um that Dan had in the article with Vestergaard was like was of him kind of steaming out from the back to win the ball high up the pitch which it looks incredibly risky but that's what Ralph wants to do and when it works it works really well because we we turn the ball over and we're on the attack and also Ben Narak's t- tucking round and Kyle Walker-Peters is tucking round. So, so the kind of the, the danger is mitigated slightly. But I, what I think happens when we start to ship goals left, right and centre is one of the defenders sticks to the system and then like another defender is not quite as like yeah. wedded to the system and kind of reverts to... And when everybody's on different wavelengths there and like Bertrand's thinking, I need to stick with my man and, and the, the system just breaks down and... You have some players going, you have some players staying and we just look like a Sunday league team. Um, that's just my my two cents. Disjointed. Anyway. Disjointed. Disjointed mm. Exactly. Like some players are playing the system and some players aren't. Now, when we play really well, it's because everybody's sticking to the system. But one or two goals, one or two decisions, one or two pieces of luck go against us and we just fold. That's what it feels like to me. It's yeah, a, another, it's a problem. Another, another very quick point that I noticed in the first half was we didn't, keep the ball um, half as well as we have done or especially when we were on our good little run and maybe a lot of it is down to that because um, we had do have such a high possession rate but I saw some stats saying like we've got one of the lowest um, tackles made percentages in the league but mm-hmm. our tackle completion rate is really high that's simply the fact that we win a lot of tackles but we don't have to make a whole load as well um, mm. 
and to me that kind of glares out that when we're not keeping the ball and when we do have to make more tackles and the system is a bit disjointed then we're a lot easier to carve open when we're in control of it then we can make out make rush out from the defence and make that tackle because we're in control of the game yeah one bright spark well one bright point from the game I think was the first look at Minamino very very strong debut obviously scored a brilliant goal uh, got us back into the game at 2-1. What did you make of, of that first goal, first of all, Jack, and, and his overall performance? Very decent performance. I've got a few mates who are Liverpool fans that were texting me when we got him on deadline day saying they were they were disappointed they weren't sending Origi out on loan and keeping Minamino because they do see him as definitely one for the future. Well, not one for the future, but one for now, really. He's played one Premier League game, one start against Crystal Palace and got a goal there. And, you know, his second start in the Premier League and he's got another goal for us. And I think that finish in particular is a sign of a top quality player. We've we've got strikers at the moment that are lacking confidence, um, you know, at pulling the trigger and of hitting defenders and hitting posts and it's going wide. And that was a player that's just come in full of confidence. Great first touch to the right foot. Defender was off balance and just left foot top top quality finish over Cardalo and he'll be crucial I think in this turnaround of form because we needed something different obviously should have got a full back in but to get you know someone different in the in the attacking area especially missing Stuart Armstrong which was very disappointing Mm. today so yeah very strong performance and I don't know if you guys know if he's is he cup tied I'm not I was I was thinking whether he can play just about to have a look at that (laughs) we'll have to check well while you look at that um yeah, I thought the goal was the goal was brilliant, um, and his that like kind of first glimpse that we got today of him was like for me so contrasted with the performance of our other number ten, um, Nathan Redmond had one of those games that he has all too frequently, unfortunately. Um, of Jack Stevens was was one that I'd kind of happily single out as didn't have well, had a long way from his best game. Nathan Redmond was pretty, pretty poor. Um, just across the board, really. Crossing, hitting the first man, dawdling in possession. Like so many times he slows the play down and the conditions weren't great, but they're not, they weren't great for everybody on the pitch. And he just gets his pocket picked. Um, he is the most frustrating player to watch, uh, for sure, for, as far as I'm concerned as a Saints fan. And it kind of felt like someone tweeted at us today that kind of it kind of felt like this this game has defined Redmond's Southampton career, and um, I'm sure he'll still be a part of the squad because we we need we need him, unfortunately. But it did feel to me like a little bit of like this is an opportunity for him, and he's absolutely um, balls it up. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it was it was so disappointing. I've defended Nathan Redmond in the past because I do think he. He becomes a little bit of a scapegoat when it comes to silence from fans that pick him out a bit more than other players, but couldn't really defend him today. Um, one slight positive, I think, for that Danny Ings chance where he yeah. could have equalised. I think he got his head up really well on the right-hand side and picked out the right pass and it just summed up Danny Ings in the last few weeks that that hit the, hit the inside of the post. But his general play, like you said, slows the game, slows the game down, just... Just those little fouls as well, where we're oh trying God, to yeah. put we're trying <laughs> to put some exert you're trying to exert some pressure on this Newcastle team that have got nine players on the pitch, and Almiron's getting the ball with his back to goal, and you're just flying through the back of him, and it's infuriating. It really is infuriating because, like you said, Mainstone, before we went on this, that that literally was 
two or three minutes just knocked off the clock yeah. at that point, wasn't it? It's, it's like his mm. footballing intelligence is like non-existent, it seems like, because mm-hmm. he, he he's obviously frustrated and he makes that foul and then he just throws his arms up and like in frustration, it's like you've literally fallen straight into the trap of what Newcastle want you to do. Like, mm. how are you? How are you a professional footballer? How have you allowed that to happen? Um, I don't want to hammer him too much, but yeah, I'm done with Nathan Redmond now. Really, <laughs> I think like Armstrong <laughs> yeah. can't come back soon enough. Minamino is going to be in that position. Obviously, the sub situation. Don't know whether Gineppo was half fit and was just a body on the bench because the game was crying out for him to come on. Yeah. Yeah, for me, he's our best 1v1 um, attacker that we've got in terms of being able to beat a man in a really tight situation. And when you're playing against 10 slash 9 men, were just two banks of four and it was with 10 minutes to go you do need that bit of creativity they were happy with us flinging it in the box all day long because you've got more of a percentage chance of winning the header when you've got someone like Gineppo on the pitch that's running at his man like most of the goals from it's not there's no reason why um, well there's a specific reason why Liverpool and City and the teams like that score most of their goals from a cutback um, point of view from the byline you've got to beat your man it opens up gaps and he, Redmond just didn't do that today he didn't uh, it's, I mean let's go on to it the last 15 minutes or so when um, Jeff Hendrick, second yellow, red, red card, down to 10 men. Um, we created that opportunity for Danny. He had a couple of opportunities in the first half as well. It's just not going for him at the moment, is he? And he, he, he People have mentioned it over the last few weeks. He looks frustrated. And like you don't want to make a connection between what's happening off the pitch and what's happening on the pitch because we don't know what's happening off the pitch. And everything that we've heard from Dan Sheldon the other week was that Danny's not involved in the contract negotiations at all. So why would it be impacting his performance? I mean, that's the argument that you'd make. But at the same time, it's hard not to draw those parallels because it's just so happened that over the last few weeks, he's looked really, really frustrated and things are just not going his way. He had that opportunity in the first half where he took a poor touch and made it easier for Dyla to save it. He had the header which was a tough chance, but like fully confident Danny Ings, I think is just popping that over the keeper. Um, he's fully capable of doing that. He's our best player. And then at the end, it was, it was unlucky. It was a decent decent strike, but coming off the inside of the post. Um, Jack, what do, you, what do you make of Danny Ings' performance in, in recent weeks? Well, I mean, previous games, he's looked frustrated at his teammates, I think, because he hasn't really been getting the service. Um, and he's kind of just been you know, pressing defenders and that six, we haven't really had much of the ball, but in the game today, um, like you said, he had a few chances and he looked frustrated at himself more than anything. I think he knows that he's not at the top of his game at the moment. That, the one in the first half kind of summed it up. He took one touch and it wasn't really perfectly out of his feet. So we had to take another one. The angle narrowed and then it was, you know, made it a very difficult for him to beat Carl Darlow. And I think that that kind of summed it up fully confident Danny Ings of last season, gets that out of his feet and fires it into the far post. Um and then yeah that that second one he's done everything right um from the Redmond cutback and it just sums up his time at the moment. I I think it is it is a worry, but he's getting in these chances. Um and I think that the introduction of Minamino will help because kind of a lot of pressure has been on Danny Ings over the last year, 18 months, just to score the goals, score the goals, especially with Shea Adams not firing. So someone coming in like Minamino that's going to hopefully pop up consistently with a few more goals, I think that's going to lead to Danny Ings getting a bit more space as as, as Minamino you know, kind of commits more defenders. So you know, I'm optimistic that the goals will come. 
Space was at premium um, towards the end of the game. Uh, well, it shouldn't have been because they were down to nine, when, nine men when, when Shah went off, but they packed all the bodies um, basically into their last third and into their own penalty area. Uh, Mainstone, what, what did you make of our, um, our kind of final 15 minutes up against nine men? You're looking for a goal, if not two, to try and win the game. And, and really, what did we create? Not, not a lot. Not a lot at all. Um, don't know whether that some of it was down to fatigue um, for the season catching up with players. You just don't know. Um, but like you say, Newcastle, we touched on it earlier, they'd done almost everything that that we should have done on Tuesday night, didn't they? Um, that, that should have been it the other way around. We know we brushed on it earlier, um, playing to Ralph's system rather than just sitting behind the ball. Um, but again, we just didn't look like creating much. There was so many times the ball was just being knocked about and I, I know we have to try and make the space because they were just uh, penned in um, but then just making a pass out wide and just just trying to launch it in the box which is kind of like we ran out of ideas completely very reliant on set pieces aren't we very very reliant on those kind of dead ball situations Ryan Burchin had one in the first half where really well worked to the edge of the box and seems to be where we're getting a lot of our chances at the moment and it's, it's quite worrying because you want to be creating chances on on the um, you know in open play but I think we do need to discuss James Ward-Prowse's free kick because that might have been the best of the lot. <laughs> Honestly, say, that might have been the best of the lot. I was going to say, like Minamino's goal was our, was a first from open play for God knows how long, well over 10 hours. Um, a second goal came from a set piece. James Ward-Prowse, do you think that's the best his best one yet? I mean, it was so far out, that one. Mm-hmm. Some of the ones on the edge of the box, you know, the Villa one this season, he's got two at Villa, a bit more closer in. If you get it up and down, it kind of gives the keeper no chance. But this one, close to 30 yards out, even if you get it up and down, you still back it. The pace on it, the swerve on it. I'd say Man United, uh, the season before last, when he did that, Old Trafford was was up there because it was a similar distance out. But for me, that was his best free kick for Southampton. I don't know what your guys' opinion was. Um, yeah, it was for me. Well, for me, it was actually one of those ones we were probably both the same where he gets that opportunity within that certain range. You're kind of on the edge of your seat thinking like, right, <laughs> this is potential here. That was kind of on the edge of being on the edge of my seat. I was a bit like, exactly. oh, it did, does look a bit too far out here. And then you kind of switch off a little bit and all of a sudden, the absolute top onion bag is unbelievable strike. I know we're all Saints fans, but for me, best free kick taker in the world at the moment. Yeah. There, is nobody, yeah. there is nobody I would rather have standing over a set piece of if you needed to win to, to score a goal. I mean, Messi's record from free kicks is by all accounts very, very good. Um, I think he probably gets a lot more opportunities around the box than than James Will Prowse does. I'd like to see the stats on the conversion rates for the two of them, but I would there's nobody else I'd rather have on a free kick uh, in world football right now. It's stupid. It is silly. Like I agree with Mainstone. That was on the edge of Warprow's range when it's five yards further in and you're really thinking you've got a chance for that one I was thinking hit the target try and work the keeper maybe get a rebound to, to put it in that spot mm-hmm. is truly special and it's you know other fans are really taking notice now because he was doing it quite infrequently over the last few seasons but I don't know how many that is this season four or so four and I think yeah get him on the plane yeah be nice if he's doing that for England in the summer um, a few more times for us uh, before then though hopefully uh, we, we've kind of touched on the final 15 minutes and the, frust- the frustration of watching that really was, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure for everybody watching it, was it was painful. Um, Ralph's substitutions or lack of them, he made one sub, 
Dan and Lindelou coming on, I think around 81 minutes for Jack Stevens. Um, bit of criticism for how long he took to make those, that sub and for how long we kind of sat back with, uh, well, he changed the system actually and went three at the back um, with Stevens, Vestergaard and, and Bednarak. And it's hard to say whether it worked or not because they got the red card like almost straight away in the second half and that changed the game. Um, but Mason, I'll come to you first. Uh, is the criticism of, of, of Ralph's substitutions legitimate? Um, it's, it's difficult because, as we all know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a massive, massive Ralph fan. I mean, I love the bloke to bits. Um, but if we've got to be brutally honest here, as supporters, we are crying out for more substitutions there. I mean, there's we don't know the full ins and outs on it, how many actual really 100% fit and able bodies we actually do have on the bench. Um, I think that might have something to do with it. But for me, there's there's ways around it. I mean, I, I would have personally liked to have seen maybe Minamino drop in with James Ward-Prowse, take Romeo off as that defensive midfielder because we didn't really need one. James Ward-Prowse would have been fine in there on his own, just ticking the ball about. Drop Minamino on there back where Romeo was to drive forward with the ball and then get someone like Gineppo or Teller on. Um, so I do think that, I mean, we're, we're fighting to get a point against nine men and we can make one substitution. It makes you scratch your head a little bit, doesn't it? Jack? Yeah, it's got to be it's got to be Nathan Teller or Musa Gineppo had to come on in that final fifteen minutes. Go down to nine men. Newcastle are just playing two banks of four at that point. You could sacrifice a defender like you did, but players like Nathan Redmond have been you know all game haven't got anything out of the Newcastle fullback. So at that point, you, you give another player a chance and you see what Gineppo does. And I think what Mainson said earlier was spot on. Gineppo is that that one player that can be quite infuriating, but at least he does a step over and beats a man. Redmond doesn't really do that. Well, he hasn't done that for years, really. So <laughs> Gineppo <laughs> can, can be infuriating, but at least he does try to beat a defender. And that is exactly what we, we need, especially Newcastle brought on, I think it was Paul Dummett and they had another right back that's not, not the quickest. So I think we really could have targeted them hmm. and we didn't. It was a shame. I think it speaks to like how bad we were in the first half that Ralph changed away from his 4 um, because obviously that's his system that he loves and that's the way that we play. I mean, he changed it to three at the back and we kind of, Minamino um, kind of was playing more of like a central attacking midfield role in the second half. And um, we did mix it up slightly. Uh, it just ended up that for the final 15 minutes, it seemed like our strategy was get the ball out to the right-hand side and just whip it in the box. Um, and the delivery was lacking. So where do we go from here now then? Five consecutive Premier League defeats, FA Cup up next on Thursday night. I think Ralph is really prioritising, but sees the FA Cup as a fantastic opportunity for us to to get to Wembley. Um, What are you expecting to see on Thursday, Jack? Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's good to have a bit of perspective. We are, you know, just over halfway through the season. We're in 12th and we're in the last 16 of the FA Cup. Come Thursday night, if we're out the FA Cup, then the season does start to look very, very worrying because we're on a down spiral in the league and we'll have no other competitions to go for. If we do, it'll be a brilliant result. If we do, you know, get something against Wolves, and I think we have got every chance because, like you said, Ralph is prioritising that and we'll, we'll put a fully full strength squad out there. And Wolves aren't their, in their best run of form. If we get a result there, get to the quarter final, I think we can turn our season around in the league. 
there's you know getting players back fully fit and getting back to play like we did in the first quarter of the season there's a lot of potential there but Thursday night's huge Thursday night's huge for like the whole morale of the team um, yeah we need we need a good performance and hopefully get through so we play them twice we play them twice in the next week on what first on Thursday then again on Sunday um, any chance any chance we will see Mohamed Salasu in either of those games, Mainstone? <laughs> Who? <laughs> <laughs> Mohamed Salasu. Don't, haven't, haven't heard of him. <laughs> I've heard a lot about him. Um, I think so. I mean, I don't see he could he could swap it around. He might give um, he might give Bednarek um, a little time out of the firing line potentially, <laughs> um, especially for the FA Cup who might come in there. But again, because we said he's prioritising. Um, or he's certainly looking at the FA Cup as a big chance for us to go far. Is he going to make too many um, gambles like that? I think the Shrewsbury game would have been perfect for Salisu, yeah. um, not if he didn't pick up that little uh, niggling injury that he had. Um, so I, I doubt we'll see him just yet. I think if we if we do go um, continue in the FA Cup, or to be fair, if we go out of the FA Cup as well, and our season starts to kind of slow down in terms of European talk, um, and let's not be wrong, we're still having a great season considering the amount of injuries that we've had, the way we've played, the teams we've beat and the performance we've put in have still been amazing. Um, but obviously there's that opportunity, like you said, Jack, to the season start to fizzle out a little bit if we go out of the FA Cup. Then we could potentially see quite a bit of him towards the back end of the season, potentially. I want to see him sooner rather than later. I think 12 goals conceded in two games. Mm. It's at the start at the, mm-hmm. at the start of the season. At the start of the season, he wasn't getting a look in because we were rock solid at the back, and you're mm-hmm. not going to change that. Obviously, he had a few injuries, but if he is coming to fitness, I don't see. Obviously, they they see him a lot more than than I do in training and stuff like that. But if he is coming to 100% fitness, chuck him in there because we need something different at the back. We're getting opened up too easily. So, what do you think, Pat? Do you want to see him on Thursday night? Yeah, I think I do. Um, to be honest. Um, like you said, we've we've shipped twelve goals in the last mm-hmm. two games. I mean, there's no harm in in changing up and putting him into the team. Hopefully, the Jack Stevens experiment at right back is now over. Um, as you said, I'd rather like I'd rather Kane Ramsey was in there. And we have an actual right back. Obviously, Wolves aren't going particularly well at the moment. They have injury problems of their own. Um, so. Big game, big game on Thursday night and, and also a big game on, on Sunday because we do need to stop the rot a little bit in the Premier League. Um, there's We're fortunate that there's three teams at the bottom that are dreadful and that there's such a big gap between Fulham, West Brom and Sheffield United and, and the rest. Um, but yeah, Jack, are you just, just checking out Mike Dean giving a red card? You know, well, I, I, I might be a little bit behind, but I'm, I'm a bit worried, to be honest, mate, because I took a four-point hit on fantasy football to take out a midfielder and I put Suchek in. So yeah, I mean, Mike Dean, he's at the monitor and you know when Mike Dean goes to the monitor, all bets are yeah. off on what he's going to decide. It's, it's not looking good. It's not, it's looking, not looking good. good. Mike Dean's got his strut on. He's got his strut on. He means he's, business. He's going, <laughs> his back pocket. If Mike Dean back pocket... Yeah, and it's out. It's a red card. There's only one outcome. There's only one outcome. When it goes to VAR and it's Mike Dean in the middle, he's going back pocket. I mean, I just... I I might as well. Just pack it in, Jack. Just pack it in. It just sums up my Southampton's week, my week there. All right. Well, gents, thank you very much for joining me um, today. Unfortunately, I wish it was slightly more positive. Um, We'll we'll catch up again on Thursday, um, back-to-back Wolves games. Um, But until then, keep well. Nice one, lads. Up the Saints. Cheers, boys. Up the Saints.